are in the last week of a sermon series called First Things First. And so we started off that first week talking about seeking the kingdom of God first. Um, and then the next week we talked about making worship a priority in our lives. And then last week we talked about the importance of giving and what God does in our lives when we give. Um, and we're going to be closing off the, the series today. And we're going to be talking about fasting and the idea of spiritual quickness in our, in our lives. Uh, we live in a world that likes to go fast. Um, y- yesterday, uh, Eric and I had the opportunity uh, to go on a, a, on a, yeah, so this is the, the after picture. Uh, we went on the, the Bay Rocket, which is a, a jet boat. Um, and it's kind of like a roller coaster on water of sorts. Um, and the website was a little misleading. Um, it said, like, there might be, like, varying degrees of wetness. Like, you might get sprinkled a little bit. You might get, like, damp. Or you could get soaked, like, depending on where you were sitting. Um, but needless to say, we got soaked. Um, and I think everyone on the boat was soaked. Even, like, you can see the, there's some people sitting next to us that were wearing ponchos. Oh, they were soaked, too, even through the poncho. Absolutely soaked. Because uh, the other piece is you're sitting on these hard plastic, like, chairs. And so literally, like, just a wall of water would come over as you're going, like, 100 miles an hour. They, like, come to a complete stop and make, like, a 180 turn. And, and now you're sitting in a puddle of water, even if you're wearing a poncho. Um, worst feeling was standing up, and now there's, like, slightly warm water at the end when you, like, got off the boat. And it's, like, trickling down your leg. And you're like, this is weird. Hopefully that wasn't what I thought it was. And so we went very fast. It's supposed to go over about 100 miles an hour. We live in a world that likes to go fast. No one says, like, I'm going to go on the world's slowest roller coaster. Like, you want to go on the fastest roller coaster, right? We live in a world that moves fast. Uh, You know, March 8th, a bank can be completely solvent, have some issues, but you can go to bed, and it can be the the 16th largest bank in the U.S. And 48 hours later, $42 billion have moved that quickly, and the bank is completely insolvent and out of business, and the government takes over. Things move fast. Jack, be nimble. Jack, be quick. We live in a world, we like to go fast, right? We like to go fast. And we, um, the Christian life is often described as a race. And we hear these words from, in Hebrews. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great crowd, a cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance, the race that's marked out for us. The race that's marked out for us, right? It's a ready, set, go. We want to run the race. And scripture tells us that there is this great cloud of witnesses that are cheering for us, that are cheering us on. And who's in this great cloud of witnesses? There's Moses. The great leader that led the people from bondage into freedom, into the, led them to the promised land. There's Ezra, the great scribe, is in that, in that cloud of witnesses. Nehemiah, the wall builder, that built the, the wall even in spite of folks telling him it wasn't going to happen. They were making fun of him. There's Esther, Queen Esther, that came to position for just a time as this. There was the prophet Anna, who was 84 years old and lived day and night in the temple, praying and fasting. And she got to die, or she got to see her savior before she died, when Mary and Joseph brought Jesus to the temple as a young boy. 
And this great cloud of witnesses is Barnabas and Cornelius. And the heroes like Peter and Paul, these are the folks that are in our great cloud, that are cheering us on. And what do they all have in common? Is that they all fasted. They all took time to fast and to pray. And I don't know about you, but uh, I know there's a few. I've seen some posts recently about running. Uh, there's a few runners in the crowd. Eric and I, probably about 2013, ran our first marathon together. Um, and yeah, you don't forget your first marathon because it is, it is painful. And it's a long training and you're nervous. And uh, we ran it in Nashville. Nashville is also not a fun place to run because it's very hilly. Um, there's little mountains and valleys in town. Um, but the last probably miles from 19 to like 23 were through a park that was actually near our house. So we were like really close to where we lived. Um, and it was, the park is, is lovely. But the problem is it's in a park now. And you, so you've ran through like the cool streets that there's like bands playing, like country music, all the, you know, have the excitement of like the start. And I have also a tendency when I like run a race to like run it like it's like 40 yard dash a little bit. And I just like, you know, have that adrenaline rush and I like want to run hard the whole time. And so then my like mile splits like start just getting a little slower each, each time. I don't like run like a very consistent pace. Um, and so you're running these last miles, these 19 through 23 in a park. And there's like, you're just running on the trail. It's beautiful, but there's like no one around you. And this is also when you're like getting in your head a lot and you're like, man, there's a lot better things I could be doing with my life right now <laughs> than running 26.2 miles. And you're also now, also, for us, we were like probably about a half mile from our house. And I'm like, I literally could just like turn off right here and go home and no one would ever know. Like I could just go home. And it was a lot more fun running when there was people cheering for me. And the same thing, I, I see this each day with my kids. Um, they, we're now at like different stages with our kids. Uh, for, for our oldest, uh, I'm dad. And then for, for uh uh, our middle child, I'm like daddy, and now our youngest is like dad. Like it's still kind of, and so we've. I've, I'm officially like a range of names, but all of them like are calling out dad, dad. Whenever they have something interesting to show me, they've learned a cool new trick. They want an audience, right? They want someone to affirm and recognize what they're doing and cheer them on. And we we need that in our own lives, don't we? We we and you have it, right? You have a great cloud of witnesses that are cheering for you. That list of, that, of Ezra and Nehemiah, of Moses and Anna, what they all have in common is they, they fasted, they ran the, the race, they fought the good fight, and now they're cheering for you. They're saying, don't let the trivial disrupt you. Don't let the superficial get you off course. They ran the race they had a scoreboard and they ran some good splits. They ran that consistent pace because they practiced fasting. And so there's lots of things in our, in our culture today that, that go beyond kind of the spiritual components of fasting. So you might even be familiar with some of the, the benefits of fasting. You might have heard of intermittent fasting. Uh, there's uh, when you Google it, there's all types of fasts that come up. There's like the warrior fast. Uh, there's a, a lemonade fast. Um, and they're supposed to have all these benefits. But here right now, if you hear nothing else today, 
The benefit to fasting is you draw closer to God. It's not doping, it's not steroids, but it's a jolt in your faith. There's a reason why it's called fasting and not slowing, because it jolts our faith forward. It draws us near to God. Fasting is is when we give up what we want to tap into what we need from God. It jolts us forward. It energizes our faith. It doesn't slow us down. And I don't... Some of you probably participated in uh, the Daniel fast that we did at the beginning of the year. We did that 21 days from January 1 to January 21st of fasting. And the Daniel fast, you, you kind of give up the sweets and you really kind of focus on um, like kind of, it's almost uh, closest thing to like the whole, uh, what's that? Her authority to a certain extent. Like you don't really eat vegetables. You gave up kind of process, anything processed for the most part, which is like my jam. Like, um, yeah, yeah. And so we had to get a little creative uh, at times. And it was a challenge. If, if you've talked to anyone that, that does practice fasting, it's hard. It's a challenge. You had to, we had to think ahead about what we were going to plan for our menu, the kind of snacks that you might have to have that you couldn't just reach for. You couldn't open up the bag of Cheetos or the goldfish. Um, you had to think ahead. Um, and I think back to even another time that Eric and I fasted. And... The thing I remember most was I actually had a headache. Um, fasting can also be a headache, and it's tough. Like, it's not, it's not, I'm not saying this is an easy thing. Um, and it's also reminded me of the current situation that we're in collectively as a church. Um, we're here, and we've got this vision of where we're going, of we're renovating Panorama right now. And construction can be, in the same way, a headache. It can be hard. It can be challenging. If you've gone through a home renovation... Um, you know these things that I'm talking about. It's hard. It's challenging. But what do you... You go through those things. You go through those things to live in the benefits of the remodel, right? You went through the, 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 the awkward time of not really having a kitchen maybe or you had to rethink how your, um, your bathroom, if you were redoing a bathroom because you wanted the goal of having the bathroom redone. And as a church right now, we're going through these hard times this challenge in a way, because we're, we believe in the vision of where God is taking us. We're living in the fast in a way of not having a permanent home because we believe where God's taking us in this process. We live for the completion. And when you're going through the construction, I've learned this because uh, Eric and I venture up there quite often to, to Panorama to take a look of, of what that completion might start to look like. And right now it is messy. It is dirty, but yet, right, it's necessary. It's part of the process. There's a lot of dust right now, panorama everywhere. It looks nothing like what we envision it being like. But that's what happens in construction, right? You've got to, have you ever watched uh, some sort of HGTV show, right? They always start opening up the walls, and they've got to have a big dumpster to, to take out the, you know, because everyone now wants an open concept, that, unless it's shifted. I haven't watched HGTV in a little while now. Um, <laughs> and so you, you start taking out that wall, and then you figure out, oh, that beam's like structural, and we got to do something, or there's some rod over here in this part of the wall that we, we've got to now readjust our whole budget because we didn't plan on doing that part. And you keep digging. You keep kind of cleaning out and figuring out what the root problem is. And you do that. You fill a dumpster up. And you clean out 
And that's what God's doing in our lives when we fast. It's that process of cleaning out, of, of slowing down so we can speed up our spiritual lives. And we get to live in that, those benefits of that remodel once we dig out and clean out. And so, um, Eric and I, um, when we, I think we're just engaged, uh, I've been to one NASCAR race, and if there's anybody that knows a lot about, yeah, yeah, that was, that was like probably like almost 15 years ago now. Um, if there's anyone that knows about going fast, it should be like NASCAR drivers, right? They go fast. Like, the, 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 the super speedways of Daytona and Talladega, those things are built literally so they like, don't even have to like, throw the brake on ever. Like the curves are banked. The, like the way the whole track is laid out, even their tires are, are tilted a little bit inside so that they don't even have to like, turn really, really hard. Like it just, like, the turns just like, take them around, and they can keep their foot on the accelerator the whole time. But the thing is, there's only certain tracks that are called like, these super speedways, like Daytona or Talladega. There's lots of other tracks in NASCAR. Um, one of them is in, is in Martinsville, Virginia. It's actually near Erica's hometown. And so we went to the, to the racetrack. Um, and it's the only time I've ever been to a NASCAR race. Um, and I, I had a very um, inclination that it was going to be loud. And uh, her stepdad convinced me that it would not be loud. Like, oh, you're in the stands. Like, it would not. Like, oh, like, don't we need, like, like some earplugs or, like, those things? You can, like, even, like, rent things. You can, like, listen to, like, the... The drivers like talk back and forth, um, and I thought that'd be interesting because I loved like the strategy part of it, of like when you pit or like where how you're gonna maneuver around. Um, and needless to say, about two laps in, I was going to the gift shop to, to buy earplugs because it was super loud. So if you ever go, make sure you pack some earplugs. Um, but this past year, there's a little bit of controversy in one of the Indian races, and I was actually at Martinsville. Martinsville is a short track race, um, and so the track is like much, much, much smaller. And so you actually do have to brake. You can't just lay on the throttle the whole time. Um, and so if you want to hit the, the button on this one. So this, is, this was the ending to the race here. Um, and you can see this car that's going like out of control. We'll watch this a couple times. So see how he's like hugging the wall here? So this guy's name's Ross Chastain. And he actually, I think, finished third in the race and it bumped him up in the standings that he actually like made the playoffs for, for NASCAR but the thing is here he he never braked he actually used the wall on the last lap he went like four seconds faster than everyone else on this last lap and jumped from like 11th to like fourth place in the race um but how many of us live our lives going like this right like this only works this only works on the last lap of a race because if you did this every time on every turn you would eventually like pop a tire, like your car would just like disintegrate. And so it's a, it was like a great idea. There's a little controversy of like this should even be legal anymore. Like because it does put you know other drivers at risk. It put his own life at risk. But I think so often we, we don't want to hit the brakes ever. But in this kind of race, you want to hit the hit the brakes. You want to slow down around those curves so you don't bang into the wall. <laughs> you can get, you can pause it. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Right? We, we've had those moments where we like, all right, if I just gun it, I'm going to make it and go. And we get hurt in the process, right? We, we just can't keep up that pace forever. We can't keep up that pace forever. And when we hit the brakes, when we tap the brakes, and we take a break, like fasting, it breaks us from our consumption. It breaks us from 
our needs for, for, for everything to be just normal, we think. It breaks us from, from eating. It might have us give up a certain pattern of how we eat. It helps you find your life. It helps you avoid overcorrecting when we hit those walls. God wants to slow you down before speeding you up. And I believe that wholeheartedly, individually, for each one of you. And I believe that as a church right now. God is slowing us down right now to speed us up. To speed up the work of Shining Light Igniting Change in this community. It's been a much slower process that God is renovating our space. But yet I think God is also renovating our hearts at heart as a church right now to speed us up eventually. And so I'm excited about where God is taking us in that. So. We're going to read now from, from Matthew. We've been uh, spending a lot of time here um, in these chapters. Uh, chapters uh, 5 through 7 in Matthew are called um, that Sermon on the Mount. It's when Jesus was teaching um, to the disciples, and it starts with the Beatitudes in chapter 5 and goes all the way through 7. And we've been spending a good bit of time of making this our first things as we head into Easter, which is just now two weeks away. And so uh, we'll read from Matthew chapter 6, verse 16 through 18. When you fast, all right, let's pause right there, right there. When you fast, Jesus is assuming that we will fast, right? There's not, there's not like, well, if you want to fast, this is what it could look like. It's like, when you fast, all right, when you fast, do not, do not look somber as the hypocrites do. All right, and so the hypocrites right here, Jesus is, he's, he's laying some truth right here, these He's calling folks hypocrites right here. And these are the religious elites. These are the folks that think they have God all figured out right off the bat. He says, Do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others when they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received the reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting. So Jesus is saying, you know, wash your face. You know, it's okay to like still wear your nice jeans like while you're, you're fasting. Like you don't have to like show the world that you're just wearing sackcloth around. Like it's okay to, to just, you know, want to enjoy life still even when you're fasting. Like it might be hard, it might be challenging, but it's okay to live life. Like you can still enjoy life. And then he finishes here. So that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your father who is unseen. And your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you in secret. And this is just a reminder that, that we're working on God's calendar here. This is not our calendar. This is not our timeline. Our reward is in secret. And I don't know about you, but I need more grace and humility in my life, right? I need more grace and humility because I want everything to operate on my fast calendar, right? But, but we're working on God's calendar here. God's slowing us down to speed up our spiritual life. Lose my notes now. <laughs> now. The tough part about fasting, and I'll be honest, in my own life, I think it's been true that I can go, or let's just say it this way. You could probably go, you could be a Christian your whole life and never hear about fasting. And the biggest reason for that, I'll be honest, is pastors. <laughs> like, because so many of us are, would be like, 
All right, I'm going to try fasting. Like, it says when, I'll do it. And then we're like, man, that was hard. I don't really want to, I don't really want to do it. Like, that's challenging. And so why in the world would I encourage anyone else to do it? Like, I tried it, I got hungry, and I quit. <laughs> it's hard. It's not, it's not something that's easy. And when, you start, when we fast, I think we, we have a greater sense of understanding. I don't want to say appreciation, but understanding at least for those other hungers in our lives, whether that's our careers, our finances, um, those things that, that are distracting to us. Um, and Jesus says just in chapter, chapter 5 of Matthew, just right before this, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Hunger and thirst for righteousness. And they will be filled. They're hungering and thirst for righteousness. When we have that hunger and thirst in our lives, what are we filling it with? Are we filling it with God's word? And so I really want to finish off today with talking about the three benefits that I see to fasting. There are three benefits. Um, and the first one is disruption. We live most of our lives in a way that's really pretty normal, right? Um, we have these moments. If you went anywhere on, on spring break over the last couple of weeks, if you think back over your trip or any trip you've taken, you probably remember those, those peak great moments, like that awesome view of the ocean, that, that great um, moment skiing when like your kid kind of like finally figured out the little pizza wedge and you're like, this is awesome. Like they can ski. Um, there, there's those peak moments in our lives, right? We remember those peak moments. And then we also remember those trough moments, right? We, those are the stories we, we tell also of the trips. Like I was standing in line for It's a Small World and then little Johnny pooped his pants. And then we had like the other kids having a meltdown because they wanted like the Mickey ears and they, we didn't, they didn't get it. And like, we, we tell those same stories, like those like awful moments that we now laugh about, right? But those were the, like the worst moments of the trip too. And we, we remember those, but those like moments in between the peaks and the troughs, we forget about. And the, the thing is we live most of our normal lives just completely forget about it. Like it's completely forgettable, right? Because we only remember the peaks and the troughs. But the thing with fasting is it disrupts our normal life that's completely forgettable and helps us to live in the moments that God is putting before us so that we don't just live in these highs and these lows, that we can balance that out in such a way that we live with more purpose and more meaning. It's almost like that splash of cold water on our face to help remember to, to slow down so that we can speed up our spiritual lives, Right? If, you, if you've got little ones, you, you know the, that you start counting how many months they are, and then it transitions to years, and then you just start thinking about decades of like, oh, I remember the 90s. That was 30 years ago, right? <laughs> Thanks for that. <laughs> what? Yeah, yeah. The 70s were 30 years ago. Yeah, yeah. It's a, and it disrupts our, our way of thinking that we, we move so quickly through things. The second thing that fasting does is, is 
receptivity in our lives. Um, three years ago, I think this became a, a word that we had a clear understanding of, right? Um, as you were trying to, to do Zoom meetings from your house, you had a sense of what, like, you needed to have a really good router. Like, you wanted to have some, like, mesh, ubiquity, Google, hi-fi, eight gigabytes connection to power it because you were realizing that room back there that like wasn't near the router like wasn't getting internet but you never really hung out in that back room or maybe it was maybe you're just in that other other room and you just that you just scroll scroll on a lot on instagram and you've you've known that for a while i don't know but it became an understanding that we needed good receptivity in our lives right the other moment that i i know that i noticed this that i need to i need good receptivity is um, when i'm driving in the car even by myself if you ever hit traffic and you're like not really sure where you're going, what's the first thing you do? You, you turn down the radio, right? You want to like lower the other things that are bombarding you. Like I can be completely by myself. There's no kids screaming in the back, but I'm like nervous because there's traffic and I'm not really sure. Like, do I need to turn here? Or do I need to get, go ahead and get over so I can get in that lane to move that way? And I turn the radio down every time. Like it's, a, it's just automatic rea- reaction that I've got to focus in on the situation at hand. And fasting helps us to do that in our spiritual lives so we can be more receptive to what God is speaking to us. It's turning down the volume of those other things, those distractions. Whether that's a food fast, a social media fast, whatever that might be, it helps us to turn the dial down in our lives. And the third thing that God does when we fast is it's preparation. It's preparation. It's really a, a practice of saying no, I believe. Practice saying no to those other hungers that show up in our lives. It's this practice of saying no to those other hungers. And we read in Isaiah chapter 58 about what God wants in, in our lives when we fast. And it says, is, this not, is not this the kind of fast I have chosen to loosen the chains of injustice Untie the cords of the yoke to set the oppressed free and break every yoke. God wants us to break free in those moments of fasting from those things that are tying us down, holding us back. Is, not, is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter? And when you see the naked, to clothe them and not, not to turn away from your own flesh and blood. And you go to eight. And then your light will break forth like the dawn, and your healing will quickly appear. See, not only is our fasting about us, but it goes into the world. It's shining light. It's breaking forth light on the dawn, and it's happening quickly. God is slowing us down in a fast to quicken us. And then your righteousness will go before you, and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. God's got us. We've got a cheering squad, a hype squad. We've got people in our corner that are cheering for us. And God is going to be our guard in this to send us forth to move quickly. Fasting leads to freedom. And it prepares us for the day that will come when it's not so easy. There will be difficult days ahead. And you will need to rely on those in your corner. And God that's guarding your rear. Because there will be setbacks. There will be difficult days ahead. Are we preparing now for those moments?
head into Easter, what is God calling you in the next 14 days to fast from so we can quicken our pace once Easter comes. And when we remember that those stones are rolled away and God has set us free, that we don't have to be in bondage anymore. The yoke can be gone that's carrying it, weighing us down right now. The next 14 days, how can we prepare to accelerate our spiritual lives? Not come to a completion at Easter, but accelerate it in these next two weeks. Let us pray. Gracious God, we thank you. We thank you so much for the examples and the witnesses of those in Scripture. For the courage of Moses to say, let my people go. For the faithfulness of Anna to pray each day and night. For the ambitiousness and the audacity of Paul to preach your gospel across the world. God, we ask that your spirit would work within us these next two weeks. Reveal to us those hungers that are not of you. Help us to refocus right now. Refocus on how we can love you more fully, follow you more faithfully. God, help us to move quicker to following you. Jesus, we love you.